The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. Really nice to be together with everyone. And uh, I know that having a lot of talking during the meditation time can push some buttons. And uh, so if that was the case for you today, uh, bear with it because for the next several weeks as we learn these 16 steps from the Buddha, you know, it will push our buttons because we're learning a map, a very systematic way of working with our mind. I mentioned last week that we're not doing this learning so that we'll be robot- robotically going through the 16 steps in a systematic way forever and ever but we're learning it so we can let go of the form and it get it sort of informs our more natural working with the present moment, being with the present moment, because we've mastered the form. So I just uh, gently encourage you to learn these 16 steps, not just to learn it intellectually so you could repeat it back to yourself, but to learn what it actually, what might the Buddha be pointing to with these words in terms of my actual internal experience of mind and body. And so we've been talking especially about the first um, four instructions, and I'll go through that briefly today, but I want to spend a little bit more time and really encouraging those of you who are going to stay for the small group discussions at 11.45 Central Time. Uh, that uh, Shan and Gibney will help get organized and introduce. But uh, one topic for those small group conversations is just to reflect about what actually is your experience of joy. You know, it's in a way, it's funny that we're sometimes ashamed to talk about joy. <laughs> as if, But we're not ashamed to talk about suffering, generally. You know, we can go on and on about how life is difficult, or my mind, being with my mind is difficult, or being with my body is difficult. But we want to be, just in terms of our vocabulary and the uh, capacity to be interested and nuanced about joy, we want to be just as sophisticated and clear and intimate with all the varieties of joy and ease as we are with all the varieties of suffering and heaviness and tightness. And uh, one thing to kind of hold as I share a little bit today and as you have your conversation and just continue with your own practice and reflections in the weeks ahead is to think about opening to joy as a very powerful transformative medicine, spiritual medicine that we absolutely need. And it's really two things. It's the joy and it's how the mind is using or understanding the joy. And we shouldn't imagine that we're good at this, taking this medicine. We have to get good at it, right? So we want to really have that sense of being beginners. Beginners both in the sense of just acknowledging because it doesn't always fit our stories. You know, if I have a strong, oh, poor me story going, then actually being open to joy challenges that deeply entrenched pattern, like I'm suffering, I'm a suffering human being. So I tend to ignore 
ignore the ordinary joy that comes my way because it doesn't fit my story. So first we have to break out of any of those stories you might have and just realize naturally, appropriately, there are moments that are pleasant and joyful in a wholesome sense. And lo and behold, it makes sense for me to actually be curious, sensitive, interested in those moments. And when I choose to be curious and interested and get close and relax and receive the actual experience of joy when it shows up, I notice it really uh, has a powerful effect on the mind because it challenges all of our irritable, grumpy, aversive, fearful ways of relating to experience. And those lenses can be so chronic that we don't even know we're walking around with those sort of grumpy, irritable, hateful, aversive, fearful lenses. And then when we when we notice joy and we really let it in and in a way we allow the body and the mind to be suffused, you know, everything touched and affected by the joy, we're literally a different human being. Just like if I allow myself to get washed full of things that trigger rage and hate and fear, I become a different human being, right? And we see this like getting played out in the world around us and our friends and in ourselves, like when people get caught up in negativity, then how they show up in the world, how they manifest is an expression of being caught up in negativity. Well, the opposite works for us just as well. If we can learn to have radar interest in wholesome joy, and really when it when the causes and conditions, the supporting causes and conditions are suitable for there to arise some real joy, and then really sh learn to show up for that and to be interested, to notice what it feels like. And we find with wholesome qualities generally, when we attend to them, they grow and spread. They deepen and spread. So it isn't that I want joy to deepen and spread, but in a more ordinary, direct way, I get interested in it. Oh, it's like this. Joy's like this. Feels like this. Well, is it safe to relax? Is it safe to sustain an interest in the joy, the pleasant feeling, to keep it in mind, to choose to persist in keeping it in mind. What happens to my mind, my heart, and my body when I do this? How is my life changed by learning how to keep joy in mind when I can keep joy in mind? So I think that might be a really useful, not just today in the small groups, and those of you who aren't staying for the small groups at 11.45, and by the way, they just go for 15 or 20 minutes. Um, you could just find a good friend to have the conversa conversation with at home, you know, over the next week or so. Because these are the kind of conversations we should be having, not about sports or weather or politics, but about these relevant aspects of our heart and mind, like how do we learn to feed, to connect with joy appropriately? in a way that's healing and allows this. So this is the second four, and I want to start here just so we make sure 
to cover the second set of four instructions. And so one of the links I just sent talks about each of the four sets of four. So there's 16 instructions the Buddha gave divided into four sections. And in a way, you could think of each of the four sections the Buddha gave as a different kind of happiness. Because one of the things generally with spiritual life we need to do is we have to see that the whole path, spiritual path, has a, a joyful flavor. Otherwise, who's going to want to do it? <laughs> now, I'm not saying there isn't difficulty that comes with human life and with spiritual life. Absolutely. I mean, one obvious example in terms of spiritual life is this path that the Buddha taught, this path of awakening. Right from the beginning, we're doing stuff that makes us more sensitive. And because we're cultivating sensitivity, we're going to see what's ugly, we're going to see and feel what's disturbing internally and externally. And I can tell you, and I'm sure most of you can say the same thing, that's not so easy to be with. It isn't easy being a sensitive human being. Why do you think our whole, not the whole, but much of our economy is designed to help us stay distracted? Because it's not easy being a sensitive human being and seeing and feeling things as they actually are. To see and feel the reverberations of injustice. To see and feel the ignorance of my own mental conditioning. And like how this personality can be hateful and how this personality can be greedy. I mean, I'm not saying that this personality is incapable of love and kindness. It is. But there's a lot of stuff that's not so good in how this, my particular personality, my particular mind has been conditioned by culture, by my animal nature, by all these conditioning forces that all of us are subject to, and of course the culture at large. So there's difficulty that comes with the path, but there's also this thread of pleasure, spiritual pleasure if you want to call it that, this sense of wholesomeness that feels good and healing. And the reason we want to learn to detect it right from the beginning is it shows us the way. You know, we always talk about this path of practice, but truthfully, we don't know what the path is. <laughs> we figure it out, one step forward, one step back, three steps forward, two steps back. But the way we best figure it out is we learn to intuit the pleasurable flavor of awakening. And it has two flavors, the flavor of tranquility or calm and the flavor of insight. These are the two fla pleasant flavors that come with spiritual life. There's a very specific flavor, just like there's a specific pain of my mind being distracted, wigged out, fragmented, superficial, pushed around by my likes and dislikes. There's the opposite pleasant flavor of the gathering and settling and unifying of my heart and mind. And that's the pleasure of calm and tranquility, seclusion, samadhi. These are words we use in the early Buddhist tradition to talk about this pleasure we can bank on, we can count on, as we cultivate our practice. And then there's the pleasure 
of the deepening of understanding. And this is even a more profound kind of pleasure of understanding. And it's basically, um, we don't realize it, but we mostly operate in the world like we're a hunted animal. We're being hunted by death and we're being hunted by danger and hunted by not being liked by our peers, (coughs) excuse me, feelings of not belonging. So anything that can scare us, we feel a little bit hunted by. Even if we're unconscious of being hunted, it's lurking there in the subconscious, right? And it makes us an ordinary but anxious, uneasy human being, the ordinary way we are most of the time. So this other kind of pleasure is when we start to wake up, we start to deepen understanding, we start to intuit um, an insight, a deepening insight that we don't need to be afraid, that it's already okay. And so we just generally, we'd call this spiritual insight, the deepening of spiritual understanding. And it has a, a very particular, profound taste. Even if our initial tastes are very faint, it has this taste that, you know what, even though it doesn't make any sense, everything's okay. And in the sense like, it's okay to relax. It's okay for me not to be anxious. That's the flavor of spiritual insight or the deepening of understanding. And these two flavors in our spiritual practice are related and, and reinforcing of one another. The flavor, the pleasant flavor of calm, like instead of my mind frantically being pushed around by my likes and dislikes, my hopes and fears, a kind of like just settling into the experience of the breath and letting everything else fall into the background, into the periphery, and just feeling the quiet of just knowing the in and out breath. That feels good, just realizing I don't have to be attentive to everything. I can just be with this one thing. Now, of course, we can do this all day long when we're walking, just the walking, when we're cooking, chopping, washing the vegetables, just that activity, that physicality of washing the vegetables. And to do one thing at a time when you're having a conversation with a friend, really just being embodied in that conversation, really showing up, feeling what we're feeling. We get, we can sustain that pleasure of calm, that unification, that gathering, one thing at a time. Even if the one thing is always changing, but we're whole, moment to moment. That's the samadhi. And then the insight is the real fruit of being more settled is we start to have that intuition that it's all okay. Even though the world's a mess, somehow this intuition shines through that it's okay. And sometimes that insight is quite earth-shaking and leaves us profoundly changed going forward in our life. And this, you know, you hear this, like some people have had some spiritual awakening and now they're not afraid of death and they're not afraid of the tremendous and actual suffering there is in the world. They know how to show up without being crushed by life as it is. And we don't know why, but they have this spiritual understanding. And this is available, both of these Pleasures are, in a way, our birthright as human beings. doesn't mean that 
we have um, really given ourselves to the cultivation of these spiritual pleasures, these spiritual um, like birthrights. But I think it's important that we sense that, yeah, they're here for the taking. <laughs> Am I interested? And these 16 steps are really about these um, kind of following the thread, the, the happiness, the spiritual happiness that comes through tranquility and insight. So the second set of four, I'll just go through them so you can remember them. So this is uh, steps five, six, seven, and eight out of the 16. So one trains oneself while breathing in, experiencing joy. One trains oneself while breathing out, experiencing joy. So joy or piti is the Pali word, is that lightness of heart. Now the way that I've trained myself to experience that, like when I'm feeling that pervasive calm, to whatever degree, that's the fourth step, right? So settled in the present moment, using the awareness of the body to support that settledness, right? Then my mind, the knowing mind's relationship to the totality of my experience, I'll start to notice in being aware of the present moment, more of a sense that everything is happening on its own. So instead of my mind habit of projecting a sense of control and defining my experience, <clears throat> just being calm in my body, I'm better able to experience the moment as a natural unfolding of causes and conditions, flow, as opposed to fixedness. And so that movement, understanding experience of the present moment as a movement, is an insight because the heart's safe enough not to constantly be fixing with my thinking mind. So now I have a little bit more relaxation, and whenever I'm sensing in the body just like a flow, a movement of sensation, or anywhere in my experience of body and mind, a movement experience, that has that kind of lightness, that um, not fixedness. Sometimes like just getting a sense of how we can use the words, one breathes in experiencing joy, one breathes out experiencing joy, it's just look for where in your experience of mind and body there's some energy moving. And and I know you you know the nature of our mind is to fix fixate on the word. What does Mark mean by the energy of movement? <laughs> but just where something feels alive and not fixed in the body and mind, heart, in this experience of the present moment. And as you're, like if you're using that phrase, experiencing joy, and then when you breathe in, experiencing joy, those words, experiencing joy, are just aiming the attention to anywhere in the body and mind where there feels like there's that free movement of energy, that lightness, that unfixedness. And notice the pleasantness of that. Keep keep keeping that in mind. And if it naturally begins to spread so that more and more of the experience of the body and the mind has that same nature of flow, of not being fixed, of being a movement of energy that's not tight, that's not restricted. 
So there will be a lot of places in the body-mind that might feel tight, but you might notice even in those tight places that subtly it has more and more the nature to vibrate, to move. And it's almost like we're starting to feel and sense everything as the movement of energy instead of the fixedness of me with my body and my mental habits. And this is, helps the transition to keeping joy in mind and really giving it permission to spread and deepen. And like with all of these, calm, which was the fourth instruction, calm in the body, joy, ease, we're really wanting the suffusion throughout the body and mind. No part of the body and the mind left untouched by calm, by joy, by ease. Because this is part of the healing and getting to know the pleasure of samadhi, the pleasure of tranquility. We want to be a really good student. What is this pleasure of seclusion, of tranquility, of calm, of joy and ease? What is that? Can I get to know it? Well, the way we get to know it is we keep it in mind. We keep it in mind. By keeping it in mind, things change. Because our experience as a human being is very much a function of what we pay attention to. Let me say it again. And this will really help us value these 16 steps. Because the Buddha is basically telling us, step by step, what when you pay attention to this, this is what happens. Right? So now we're talking about the fifth step. When you keep joy in mind, it ripens into the capacity to be aware of a more refined inner pleasure called sukha. That's the Pali word for, gets translated in different ways, sometimes even just as happiness. But I like to call it ease of heart. For me, those words kind of help point to the actual sense of it's a more settled happiness than piti or rapture or joy. It's like, ah, uh, ah, uh, I don't have to go anywhere. I don't need this moment to be different. My heart really trusts that what this heart has always been looking for is somewhere in this vicinity. So I just need to kind of stay here because something good is happening. That's the ease of heart related to contentment, as I said in the guided set. So we keep joy in mind until we can sense that there's something in the heart. And remember, the heart, you know, we think of the physical pump in our body, but it's really the core, central of what's here and now. Right? That's what we mean by heart. What do I mean by heart, I should say. So ease of heart. There's something that's a kind of letting go of a holding that feels so right. Oh, this feels right. This is healing. This is the pleasure the heart has been looking for. That's really the flavor of sukha. And you know, sukha, uh, um, Pali and Sanskrit being Indo-European languages, you know, sukha is related to the word sugar. <laughs> it's sweet, but sweet in the best sense of the word, right? Like, ah, 
This is that nice feeling I've been looking for. Now again, it's always going to start as something relatively faint, and it's very easy for doubt to come in. Oh, this can't, this is not much of anything. But I encourage you that when you have, it's like experience and the concept, the concept of ease of heart, the concept of contentedness, the concept of not needing things to be different than they are, the words of my heart's relaxing, those words are a bit of a seed to what we already know of that experience of sukha. So don't be shy of using your imagination to discover the actual experience of sukha because we've got a problem we need to overcome, which is this mostly unconscious, but sometimes it shows its cards consciously, this strong idea that I don't deserve sukha because I'm, you know, this is, I've got my knee hurts. I want the sit to be over. Who am I? You know, why would I expect a really nice feeling to arise here? You know, we have a lot of confidence that we don't deserve it or it's not going to happen. So we need to counter the force of habit with a willingness to be open to these beautiful healing spiritual states that are available. Otherwise, if we don't actually look for them, we tend not to find them. We have to be interested. But see, that's different than forcing it or pretending or making something happen because clearly those strategies just make us tight and lead to disappointment and a sense of betrayal. Like, I knew this wasn't going to happen, and then we give up even more strongly. So it's really just staying open. That's why I like even the, the basic phrase that we get from the sutta. It's a training. So the Buddha says, one trains oneself. When you're breathing in, practice, it's a practice, it's a training, experiencing ease. While you're breathing out, See if you can keep ease of heart in mind. However faint, however nondescript it is initially, just highlight that experience among so many experiences you could be attending to for the duration of the out-breath, just keep ease in mind. For the duration of the in-breath, keep it in mind. This is the training. And it's really about this patient persistence for all of these all the way through especially when we're learning the 16 steps and we're not just practicing organically, we really want to develop the faith that one, I can keep it in mind, and two, that's onward leading. By keeping it in mind, I see and experience something I wouldn't otherwise experience. And the thing is, you don't realize this until you give it a go. Like there's nothing I can say that can prove to you that something will happen, you just have to do it with enough integrity to see for yourself what this sets in motion. So just to finish up the second set of four instructions. So one trains oneself experiencing, uh, jo breathing in, experiencing joy, breathing out, experiencing joy. That allows us to begin to intuit and connect with ease. One trains oneself breathing in, experiencing ease. One trains oneself breathing out, experiencing ease.
Now with that joy that's now developed into a more pervasive and resonant ease of heart, now because the mind, heart, and body is feeling pretty good, it's easier for me to have a receptive and a dispassionate awareness of my mental activity. Whatever the thinking mind, feeling mind, perceiving mind is doing, I because I'm sort of able to rest in the ease of the moment, then I can look with some neutrality toward the mental activity. The mind that knows, sees mental activity, that's just thoughts. So this is where we really get, this is an insight. I don't need to get rid of my thoughts because I, there's a way of being aware of mental activity that doesn't tor torment us, doesn't, in a sense, disturb the heart, doesn't disturb the mind. And that's what we call dispassion, dis uh, dispassionate, spacious awareness of mental activity. That's the third step here. So step um, seven, right? One trains oneself, breathing in, experiencing the activity of the mind. One trains oneself breathing out, experiencing the activity of the mind. That means thinking, mental formations. It means perceiving, you know, how the mind is recognizing or naming things, identifying things, any of the emotionality, reactivity, whatever there is there in terms of mental activity. Oh, yeah. Just I can experience that because there's enough dispassion. There's dispassion because of the ease of the heart. And then the the um, next instruction, five, six, seven, eight, number eight, is one trains oneself breathing in, experiencing the quieting of the mind. One breathes out, experiencing the quieting of the mind. Now the thinking mind, the mental activity is quieting because we're relating, wisdom has been relating to the activity of the mind with dispassion. And when we notice the thinking mind dispassionately, we're not feeding it. We're not agitating more thinking, triggering more thinking, because we're just observing thinking without feeding it. We're observing mental activity without feeding it. So we realize the way to quiet the mind isn't so much to want to quiet the mind, but to just see mental activity for what it is. From the point of view of being content and not dependent on mental activity, I observe mental activity in a dispassionate way. And lo and behold, the mind quiets down. How nice is that? And then just a little teaser for the Ninth instruction, so the third set, but we'll spend another week at least in this second set of four instructions. Um, but as I mentioned at, at the end of the guided sit, when we're aware of the quieting of the mind, just less and less mental activity because of the d dispassionate relationship to the mental activity, what just starts to stand out isn't so much the activity of the mind and body, but the space of the present moment, the space of the knowing mind. 
And so the next set of four instructions is really getting a sense not of the activity of the mind, but the space of the mind. So then, just in summary now, the first set of four, being aware of breathing in and out, discerning how the breathing process settles from gross to subtle as the concentration deepens, going from an exclusive attention to an inclusive attention to the whole body, experiencing the calming of the body. This is really about the happiness of this body-mind integration, really understanding this wholesome embodiment, body-mind coming together, relating to the body in a wholesome way, the mind not having a conflictual relationship with the body. The second set, five, six, seven, and eight, it's really about healing our relationship to mental activity. Being able to see mental activity with a lot of space, a lot of wisdom and kindness. And that turns out to quiet the mental activity down. The third set of four instructions, now we're at the most subtle level, we're healing the way wisdom relates to the knowing mind, the space of the mind, the space of the present moment. Words don't work so well with this third set, but we'll do our best in a couple of weeks when we dig into that. And then having really healed the body, healed the relationship to mental activity, deepened the understanding of the space of the present moment, the space of the knowing mind, then this last part is keeping in mind what allows the heart to let go. That's the fourth set of four instructions. It's specifically keeping in mind which supports the awakening process. Having done all this deep healing work, the mind is ready to do a more the, the more direct work of letting go. And we'll get there at the end. So that's probably enough today. And again, those of you who are able to stay for the small group, Shannon will be staying on. But let me just remind you that I'm encouraging you to talk about your own direct experience of joy and uh, what supported your heart, your mind, able to notice joy in your life. What made that easy for you? How did you keep it in mind? What has gotten in the way? What sort of doubt or mistrust might have gotten in the way as you've um, started to want to connect to the wholesome joy that shows up in your life? This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.